Welcome to Real Opposition, where we will debate, defend, and destroy some of the worst movies that have ever graced the big screen. Each episode, our resident film optimist Jarman will muster his courage and defend films that are critically recognized as terrible. And Steve is one of those critics, and he is going to try to destroy these movies bit by bit. And what are we discussing this episode, Steve? This week we have the runaway classic, uh, (laughs) Major League Two. Now, I have to say, for some reason, I watched this movie a lot as a kid. I don't remember why, because I don't even, I wasn't a sports guy, but I remember him coming out as the wild thing so much, which we'll talk about later. But it's weird. Did you watch this movie a lot when you were younger? Uh, I feel like like TBS, I feel like was just nonstop funny sports movies for a while, no matter which sport <laughs> it was. And so I feel like I think, this was always on TBS at some point. And just the 90s were full of baseball movies. It was insane. Like yeah, Angels baseball in the Outfield. and funny hockey and yeah, and the Disney stuff that came out. Yeah, it was littered with them <laughs> for some reason. So first, we're going to give some uh, wonderful reviews that this film received that you can find on Rotten Tomatoes. So let's get into that right now. A singularly unfunny, dramatically tepid follow-up to 1989's $50 million theatrical success, Leonard Clady, Variety. There has rarely been such a steep and strange decline between a movie and its sequel as the one between the fast, silly original and the dismal, boring Major League Two. Karen James, New York Times. The humor is so predictable, forced and awkward that the actors sometimes seem like helpless bystanders. Roger Ebert, Chicago Sun-Times. It's a lot of good things. A lot of buzz about this film at the time. (laughs) And on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 5% among actual critics. Uh, Pretty abysmal. Uh, But we'll see if we can find if that's a a good rating or not by the end of this episode, if that's fair. Yeah. Because obviously, I don't think it is. No, and it's (laughs) obviously not not fair enough. I should say the first film I did watch again just to get a backstory. I don't think I've ever seen the first film. Well, yeah, you'll be lost if you don't. Yeah, basically the first film, a rich woman who owns the Cleveland Indians wants the team to fail so she can sell the team to Miami because she wants to move there. So she purposely hires players that she suspects will lose. But so it's basically like the producers, the the play, but but for baseball. Um, (laughs) And instead, the ragtag group of players actually pulls together and has a great season, much to her chagrin. So that's how the last movie ended, basically. So that is also the beginning of this film, Mm -hmm. because it starts out with a really lazy, phoned in expositional montage in the disguise of a radio announcer who literally tells you the entire plot of the last film. As you know, the Indians had a Cinderella season last year, despite the fact that toxic owner Rachel Phelps wanted the team to lose so she could move it to Florida. The Indians won the American League East for the first time since divisional play began. Rachel's gone now. Thank God. Having sold the team to retired Indian third baseman Roger Dorn after a long, hard fought series of negotiations. Uh, So between last season and this season, everyone's found some sort of fame uh, or some some subversive change. Wild Thing is trying to build his brand. Willie Mays Hayes has an action movie career and the old catcher Jake is brought in to help a rookie. Uh, The season opens poorly. Jack Parkman, the new hotshot new guy, gets fed up and starts bashing the team only to reveal that he's getting traded to Chicago uh, to the white to the White Sox. Oh, the villains. At this point, Roger Dorn, the owner, is forced to reveal that he's broke and he's got to sell them back to Rachel Phelps, 
the exact same phoned in villain from the first movie. And guess what? She has the exact same plan as the last movie too, to move the team. Go figure. Boy. <laughs> uh, the team begins to fall apart as they continue to lose. All of them have some sort of random turnaround, though, coming to their senses, which leads to a winning streak. They're on their way to the championships or something again. <laughs> I am also not a sports guy. Uh, <laughs> they go up against the White Sox and the mean guy from earlier that left the team. Oh, it's up and down, and they go all the way to the seventh game. Finally, the last game of the series, Willie Mays Hayes gets back to stealing bases. Vaughn starts throwing. God. <laughs> Put a flag in. Holy shit. No, I'm leaving it. Okay. <laughs> I, I, Autocorrect took over. <laughs> so my son, Willie Mays Hayes, gets back to stealing babies. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he did. We don't know. This wasn't covered. Vaughn starts so. throwing his fastball. Serrano finds his inner rage and his marbles and the delivers the Indians <laughs> into a lead. Vaughn intentionally walks someone in the final inning in order to pitch to the mean guy from earlier. Parkman. <laughs> oh, he has to get his revenge. And for some reason, the coach allows that to happen. Yeah, for some reason, worst call ever just lets it happen. He strikes out the guy. The Indians win the pennant or stuff. <laughs> That's the end of the movie. This is a first for uh, any podcast on the Play on Nerds Network where we're discussing a sports film. We're not sports guys. <laughs> no. Um, so, yeah, that's the whole plot. You know it because it's the same plot from the last movie. <laughs> I did not know that. Movie trivia is the illest. I did not know that. I'll ace any trivia quiz you bring up. I honestly did not know that. There's some trivia for this film. Uh, not much. Yeah, tell us some interesting facts to help me wash the taste of this out of my mouth. Uh, most of the trivia was just people writing in things about baseball that I didn't understand or care about. Yeah. So the, <laughs> I, I wrote down two things that were semi-interesting. Uh, this film opened the same weekend as D2, The Mighty Ducks. Uh, a sports comedy sequel, which starred Charlie Sheen's brother, Emilio Estevez. Emilio! And we, didn't, we didn't mention before, this movie stars Charlie Sheen and Tom Berenger and uh, Omar Epps. Oh, man. There was so much story to get through, I didn't have time. Right. Uh, but yeah, so it's kind of funny that both their, the second the sequel and their series of sports movies came out the same weekend, um, Brothers. And also, a lot of this film was filmed in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, which I believe you're from, Stephen. Yeah, I lived there for a bit. Yeah, so when you were a kid. Yeah, Harrisburg. So like the hospital scenes and that kind of stuff, those were filmed in Harrisburg. Everything was pretty much outside of the baseball uh, arena was Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Okay, nice. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty much it for the trivia that I could understand wow. or find interesting. Baseball. Baseball. So, German, let's start talking about why you think this movie is defensible. So after for watching both of the films, the first one and the second one, it I really thought this movie had much better use of the characters made them more interesting and different and fun and over the top and silly. Um, so I disagree with some of the reviews we read because um, I don't think, I think this movie was sillier and funnier than the first movie. The first movie was just kind of like, Oh, this is cute. Uh, but this one takes it to a more extreme extent with like the, the Japanese characters kind of racist, but um, <laughs> with the, the um, 
what the, the what's the guy's name from the insurance commercials who's in this movie um oh serrano is his character oh, name yeah all state stand that guy um he plays serrano and he, he's more over the top in the last film um yeah i just i thought that was it was more entertaining than the first one and so it made it made it a very good fun uh 90s sports movie basically i don't know i feel like the to argue against that point i agree that some of the new characters are really good uh, in fact tanaka uh mm-hmm. the japanese baseball player and uh Rube the Hayseed have two my two favorite moments in the entire movie are from those two characters which so I absolutely agree uh, with the one where Rube is telling trying to talk to, to Vaughn about getting dumped you know Ricky breaking up with a girlfriend can be a, a very painful thing but it, it don't have to keep you down for long I mean let me tell you something from my own personal experience I, and I never had a, a regular girlfriend like you but I did get kicked in the balls once by a mule. Now, I, I thought I would be hurting for the rest of my life. But you know what happened the very next week? What? My mama died. <laughs> Hell, after that, I didn't care no more about my balls hurting. You see what I'm getting at? <laughs> but you know what happened the very next week? My mama died. <laughs> it doesn't make anything better. <laughs> it doesn't make anything better. He drops into a really sad moment, and the turn is so lovely. And then Tanaka is when uh, the female mean owner, I can't remember her character's name, comes in. And he, like, addresses her in a very, like, somber Japanese deep voice. Miss Ferris. And, and says that that he hopes that she's mounted by a dog. Right. And she goes, oh. Uh-huh. And then bows and says it really nice. <laughs> I think it was in the trailer for Tanaka, too, where the sign falls on him in the outfield. And he punches his hand through with the ball in it. That was probably oh, like man, in the trailer. Probably. That's the definitely in the trailer. It was a good, um, a good so little I, scene. So I agree. The new guys were great and had my favorite moments in the entire movie. But the Serrano and the Willie Mays, especially being recast, made those characters so much worse <laughs> that it just didn't balance out. But I agree. The new guys were good. All right. Well, what's uh, your re- well, first reason why it sucks? Lazy exposition and character handling. <laughs> uh, the expositional opening confusion over who Nookie was and whether we should know who she is. Right. <laughs> uh, and then this literally the same recycled plot as the last movie. They did not change the stakes at all. I can't argue with that point, but that does not make a bad movie necessarily. I mean, look at The Force Awakens. It just copied the plot of the original Star Wars, but it's still a good film. And hardcore fans hate it. Yeah. <laughs> good for them. They're just hate us. But no, I <laughs> I, I uh, agree with the lazy exposition. Um, but once I got past that, it's like it basically told the same movie, but just better for me. The characters were more interesting. I think um, Omar Epps did almost, an, you know, Kind of exactly the same kind of performance that uh, Wesley Snipes gave. So it kind of kept right in that character. So it didn't really jolt me too much. They changed that actor out for the film. So, right. I disagree. I, I disagree entirely. Right. <laughs> so what's the next reason this movie is OK? So it takes the game of baseball seriously. And you can tell the writers did their research. 
Because um, a lot of these movies that came out, um, they always had some kind of supernatural aspect or something really unbelievable that happens. Whereas everything here is within the realms of possibility. They use a lot of the real baseball terms. The players are just are getting better because they're getting better at the game, not because something miraculous happens. Um, and I, I kind of appreciate that. I've learned a lot of, from watching these movies about baseball that I didn't remember from watching when I was a kid. And um, they used a lot of uh terminology and stuff that they actually use in baseball, little terms, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I think I, I appreciate the fact that it took it seriously and made it into a real world uh, baseball movie. OK, fair. <laughs> I don't know enough about sports ball to contradict you, but I guess it seemed accurate. Like, you know, like Happy Gilmore. He's got the magical weird swing and, and that other baseball movie with the kid, the rookie of the year, I think it was, where his arm gets oh. broken so he can yeah, shoot Henry really fast. Gartner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the, it's all like magical kind of thinking stuff that happens, whereas this is just like real baseball. Kind of neat. OK. All right. Fair. <laughs> What's the next reason why it's bad? Uh, the next reason it's bad is cheap personal journeys. <laughs> OK. Uh, besides Vaughn, none of the other players, Hayes or Serrano, changed because of some deep personal journey. They both dealt with it because the rest of their team called them out and were made fun of them for their thing. And their marbles. Right, exactly. Like Serrano <laughs> just got taunted into to being a man, I guess, by Tanaka. You know, you have no marbles. Marbles? Marbles. You have no marbles. Marbles? Huevos? <sighs> and Hayes, everyone just gave him crap about not running until he finally ran. And there was no deep personal stakes or personal journey in it for them. It was literally then they just got razzed. Yeah. And even Vaughn didn't change until the catcher coach guy went to his place right at the end to give him one on one crap about pitching. I think uh, you're right in that fact that uh, they only barely gave Vaughn a, a journey at all to take in this movie, whereas they didn't really give a journey or personal change to any of the other characters. So I will yeah. I will see that point. Missed Absolutely. opportunity. Missed opportunity. It could have made them that much more interesting. Um, I will say that I had a great ensemble cast and they all went on to do great things. Well, mostly except for Charlie Sheen losing his mind. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I am on a drug. It's called Charlie Sheen. Um, it, uh, it's not available because if you try it once, you will die. Your face will melt off and your children will weep over your exploded body. Uh, Tom Berenger did a lot of good stuff. Uh, yeah. Omar Epps, uh, that guy who plays the owner temporarily. He's been in a ton of movies. I don't even know his name. Oh, yeah, of course. That guy. He's, he's, yeah. he's one of those guys with those faces. You've seen a billion movies. A lot, of the, a lot of the guys in this movie are the guys with those faces. The Allstate guy. He's done a lot of yeah, things. The Allstate guy. You're in good hands. <laughs> are you in good hands? <laughs> no, are you in good hands? He's a very recognizable voice. Um, yeah. So a great, great ensemble cast. Okay. I guess I can give that to you. And as I said, certain aspects and certain, like the new people, especially, I think really kicked it up. Oh, I like the lady who played the, the, the rich girlfriend because she was... Um, the German woman in the Indiana Jones and the last crusade. Yeah, she was. She's great. Just great. And hot. Uh, Cause you already <laughs> hated her then. So that was good. That's true. <laughs> uh, okay. So my, the third reason that this thing is just a big flaming bowl. Uh, Vaughn somehow gets the girl back. He was still a jerk and betrayed the trust of those kids and made the decisions but she can give him a second chance because he cut his hair and won a baseball game. <laughs> no, he learned to be himself. No, but see, it doesn't matter. He still did those terrible things for her to just let him back is just inviting herself to pain. 
Well, that's also a replica of what happened in the first movie. Tom Berenger cheated on her and then she gets back with him. Rene Russo. I'm like, why? He's awful. <laughs> so I hated the Tom Berenger character. So I'm glad he was less of a thing in this movie. Yeah, they tried to make him a bigger thing, but I think everyone collectively went, no, he's boring. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think it just even further cheapened the personal journey that Vaughn well, could have had. And I don't like any movie that portrays women being that kind of weak minded. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I can appreciate that point. Fun fact, that woman played the daughter in the Coneheads movie. That's right. She did. And uh, also very pretty. Women that should not be with Charlie Sheen. All right. So this, I think we can agree this film was up and down. Yes, I go agree with you there. But now let's talk about the up and up. I've got a sequel pitch for this movie. Yeah. We're doing a sequel. A sequel? Yeah. No sequel for you. Even though it's the sequel, I think it's actually the stronger of the two films. Don't believe the hype, it's a sequel. These days, you gotta have a sequel. So the movie, so this this movie is gonna be, uh, it's set today. Okay, present day. So this is not a, so we didn't make another sequel for like 20 some years. Major League Two reigned as the all-time champion, retired as, the, you know, the best film ever made or whatever. And we're ignoring the third one, it didn't exist. Nope. This is the third one with Scott Bakula <laughs> with Scott Bakula. No, he's not in this one either. No. <laughs> so the movie opens day at the ballpark. It's an Indians game. Fans crowd in, but the bleachers are half empty. A lukewarm crowd cheers for the Indians opening lineup. We get introduced to some new hotshot rookies who have interesting problems. One of them is <laughs> one of them is image obsessed with social media, always tweeting Maybe he takes a famous picture where he's taking a selfie and someone's stealing a base behind him. And then another one who wants constant reassurance and praise. Uh, he hits a home run, but then comes to the coach to ask how he did and how his stance could have been better. And if the coach liked his, his hand placement. Finally, the coach who's had his back turned explodes, revealing Rube Baker, the hayseed, <laughs> a newly retired player turned coach of the once again losing Indians team. The game is over and Rube Baker sits in his manager's office and a snide looking, you know, uh, like man in a business suit comes in. It's a lawyer that represents the owners. Well, they aren't happy with Rube, and they're going to fire him at the end of the season if he doesn't turn this thing around. Oh, man, I got to change the lineup before the next. <clears throat> Rube, may I have a word? Oh, yeah, Mr. Ellison. What what can I do for you and, and the owners by extension? Uh, yes, well, the season's going quite poorly, as you know, and... Well, I've got well, all these rookies. Uh, I'm doing what I can with them, but they're not really giving me anything. The one won't stop looking at his phone. Look, that's not my problem. The, either pick things up by the end of the season, or you're fired. Fuck. Or we might just sell the team to Miami, after all. What? No, not like 30 years ago, or 33 years ago, when it happened again. I forgot to tell you that the old owner from 30 years ago has bought the team again. No, the mean lady, no! So get better, or things are gonna change around here. Oh, man. I better get some help if I'm going to get this team on, on the tracks. I know who I can call. Well, Rube, in an act of desperation, calls in a special coach to come in and work with these darn rookies. Now, that's a great setup. So who is this special coach that he contacts? Well, R Wild Thing, Vaughn, is running an ostrich farm out in New Mexico. <laughs> of course he is. 
Rube flies out there, asks him to come back and to help whip these new kids into shape. But Vaughn can't go back. He can't since Nikki passed. He can't revisit that part of his life. It's too painful. Oh, Rube says the door's always open and then leaves. Oh, Vaughn. Yeah, come on in, man. You want to see me? Yeah. Man, it's a crazy world pennant or whatever. Yeah, these kids are doing great out there. Really good stuff. I'm really proud of the work you've done with them. Well, uh, you, you were a good coach to begin with, so it's partially on you. Why didn't Why didn't you ever go into coaching, Vaughn? Uh, I just love ostriches so goddamn much. I mean, it's fair. When you find what you love, I can't blame you. That's true, man. You look. You love baseball. I love ostriches. I got. I got to tell you something. I was. I was gonna retire. What? At the end of the season. But you still got years ahead of you, man. Look, I just didn't want to be forced out. But now with the team on the rise and the win. I would like you to take over as coach. But I, I couldn't, because Nikki, she, she, she's part of the game for me. She's, it's all about her, and I could never go back to that. It's too much pain. D- don't, don't you think she would want you to play? I can't imagine what she wants. She's dead, Rube. Sorry, man. I, I didn't mean to burst out at you. Remember all the good times you had with her in baseball? That time she took you back because we won the pennant or whatever? I can't do it, man. I'm out of here. Good luck with these kids. Remember who you were, wild thing. Back in the next game, they're le- they're losing bad. Bam, here comes wild thing. The music comes on. The crowd goes crazy as wild thing returns uh, and psychs them up, starts working with them. They pull out a few runs. They still lose, but it's a close one. They feel good about it, you know, like that mm-hmm. kind of lo- like yeah. that kind of loss. Uh, we know all about that Vaughn seeing that he's got his work cut out with these two rookies calls in some additional help the next (laughs) this is where it gets real good the next uh, practice who shows up Serrano and Tanaka bam loop them back in uh, Serrano focuses in on the kid with the praise issue using all of his like mind bending contentment stuff from the last two films to make this kid find his own enlightenment and his own self-approval uh, and Tanaka focuses on the social networking obsessed kid but really this just is going to be a real funny bit where the, every time the kid pulls out a phone Tanaka pulls out a bat and just bashes it <laughs> so it's just going to be Tanaka destroying phones throughout the film that's like pretty it. much his whole role that's the whole reason he's there so between the three of the special guest coaches, they team up to help the team learn about the fun of the game and being assured of yourself and other cliche lessons. You'll fill in the blanks. The team begins winning. They go on a winning streak. Everyone learning valuable lessons along the way. Finally, they make it to the series or whatever. Uh, but, but the first few games are rough. The social media kid not hyping the team on the internet has lost his his spot as the crowd favorite. And the now self-assured rookie gets cocky. Oh no, it seems like they got what they wanted. <laughs> <laughs> they both get put in their place through various things that happen during the game. They make it all the way to the seventh game of the world, whatever the hell. Of course. <laughs> The night before the game, Rube calls Vaughn to his office to talk. He reveals that he was going to retire at the end of the season, but he just didn't want to be forced out. He offers Vaughn the job, but Vaughn refuses. He can't possibly face the pain and Nikki. He walks out. The next day in the locker room, the mood is dour as the team responds to Wild Thing's absence. 
Rube tries to give them a pep talk, but it's unsuccessful. Wild Thing comes in at the last minute. He calls over the two rookies over the course of the game, not by the, the rookies show that they've learned their lessons. One of them hyping the team on social network, but only during non-intrusive times that really gets the <laughs> crowd going. And the rookie who got cocky doesn't go for the big home run and instead takes a bunt to load the bases for his team. They win the pennant or whatever, and the movie is over. Oh, my God. But does Vaughn become the coach after all? Yes, he does. Beautiful. Leaves room for a sequel. It's the big capper. <laughs> Another sequel, rather. Yeah, but that'll be someone else's problem. <laughs> well, that sounds beautiful to me. It does. Uh, I think that it offers a lot of the arc of the last couple ones. We don't have to have any stupid love stories in there because that's not what baseball's about. There's no love in baseball. There's no love in baseball. <laughs> Uh, and I think it's going to, I think it's going to make a million dollars at least dollars. <laughs> it won't really cover the budget, but Hey, it'll make something. No, no, no. Well, it's only going to debut at 23 theaters. So if you take that into consideration, it's pretty good. That's true. And also some of just, them are in prisons. We'll launch straight to video as well. At the same time VHS. Yeah. We're having them reprinted. <laughs> it's also on vinyl. They've got a surplus of Major League Two on VHS, so they're just going to rewind it and tape over it. <laughs> no one bought them. I mean, I'm sure I have a copy. <laughs> that has been our sequel pitch. Thank you for joining us on Real Opposition. Come back next time when we'll pluck another gem from the trash can and dust it off. Remember, folks, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And you can't polish a turd. This podcast was brought to you by A Play on Nerds. <laughs>